Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Okay, couple announcements before we get started. Last week, I did an Instagram poll about online therapy or FaceTime or remote therapy, and I got a lot of feedback about people having difficulty finding therapists in their own town um, and that they might be interested in remote therapy. So I figured I would bring that up here as well. If you are interested in doing like online coaching or online therapy, you can um, check out my website. I'm opening up an additional day for remote therapy. So if you are not in California or far away, um, we have the ability to do some work together. Um, you can check out www.elisesnipes.com backslash schedule if you want to see what scheduling options are and all that good stuff. Um, or just poke around on my website because we've been working on it. Uh, feel free to also email me any questions or DM me on Instagram, whatever works for you. I am also gearing up for some vision planning for my weekend events, which I'm absolutely thrilled about. If you are new to TrailerCast and you are not sure what I'm referring to about weekends, go check out my same website, www.elisesnipes.com, and you can read about weekends. Um, I'm making some videos and going to be putting those out there soon, so be on the lookout. Um, in short, what weekends are is it's Friday to Sunday. It's like an intensive retreat really focused on unlocking you. It is everything that I wish I could give my therapy clients in one weekend. Okay, so I want you to think about it like this. If you go to therapy, let's just say even weekly, okay, realistically, in one year's time, you would probably go 46 times for about 46 hours, right? Um, that's taking into account like Christmas break and spring breaks or getting sick and always some like conflicting hair appointment, okay? So we would spend 46 sessions taking small steps towards this like large vision of why you're there, of like kind of being free from all the junk and just getting to move forward, right? One year. So at weekends, we have 48 hours, which is more than a year's worth of therapy, to go through this comprehensive like flow of helping you take hold of your past, present, and future. I specifically design weekends to give you an opportunity to take like a giant running leap forward. Um, also, the location is gorgeous. You have your own private bedroom. We stay in this gorgeous home with a 180-degree ocean view. We eat delicious food. There's only five people at a time, so it's intimate, and you will get what you need out of it. Um, okay, that's my plug. I am actively setting dates for 2019 and taking signups on an interest list on my website. So, okay, enough of that. On with the show. <laughs> I am still totally acclimating back to the United States. Um, there are plenty of things that will probably just never be the same after an experience like Uganda. It's, I don't know, sometimes I call it like a holy ruining. This process of experiencing something so good or so beautiful or so right, you're kind of ruined for anything less than. 
You know, specifically, I feel freed from some notions I had adopted about working hard or hustling or being busy or doing it all. And that somehow these things or this pace equated to success or productivity or was proof that I was trying or somehow making it. This is hard for me to even say, but listen to me when I say this. Pace has nothing to do with productivity or success or happiness. So while I was gone, I made a resolute commitment to come home and make some changes to the way I was doing my life. You know, as crazy as this sounds, the first thing I did when I got home was quit my job. I have been working as a clinical director in the addiction industry while my husband has been going back to school and working towards a career change. So I was doing a small amount of private practice on the side because I love it and, um, I realized that I had just been tired. Like I've been taking on too much and I was taking on too much of the wrong stuff. And so the chance like get so far outside of my normal life, it highlighted how much I had really compromised my values, my time, myself. I felt like sick, genuinely sick coming to this like realization. I felt remorseful and I knew that I had to make some immediate changes. So <laughs> Here I am out here figuring it out, but free. And I feel proud of myself. It was an intensely difficult um, decision to follow through on. It wasn't difficult to make. It was difficult to follow through on. And the irony of this process is that it's helped me come to the conclusion that doing more of the wrong thing doesn't make it right. And that no one is going to do these hard things for me. And that if I want something, I have to go for it. I can set my own pace and not be a victim to hurry or hustle. Some things I saw as well regarding faith. I felt like reconnected with the contemplative lifestyle, like the spiritual disciplines. You know, the aspects of spirituality that are true all over the world, regardless of culture, socioeconomic status, gender, race, age, education level, geography. You know, there's things that no longer hold water for me. Um, like faith statements that can only be true in America or for the wealthy right, like the prosperity gospel, like vocation, okay? That I have one true calling and if I miss it, it's over. Or the microvision we apply to God's will, that he is somehow either responsible or p punishing of our minutia. L let me explain it like this. Nowhere in Uganda, maybe Africa... <laughs> Is the impoverished, sick, working woman with a baby on her back wondering if God thinks she should plant potatoes or plantains, or praying about losing the baby weight, or asking God to help her get a parking spot in the front? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, if we belong to some form of universal faith, then it's got to be true everywhere. So if it's not true to the woman in the field in Uganda, then maybe it is something that is cultural rather than spiritual. And faith feels pretty straightforward there. Like where spiritual things stay in spiritual places and non-spiritual things aren't called spiritual. Instead of this Western concept of me now, it really is an everybody always. I think what I'm saying is this. Uh, we can often call something... Um, 
faith or we can call something spiritual because we've heard it in church or heard it from a Christian, but it doesn't necessarily make it like universally true in regards to your faith tradition. Some things are Christian culture, not necessarily Christian. So when we start to take some of the things that are strictly cultural or American or Western or whatnot, and we blend that together with our faith, then we can kind of lose track of what's what, right? And then we can take that to another country or to another people and start to think that, hey, that's weird. That doesn't make sense here. So then again, not trying to throw the baby Jesus out with the bathwater, but trying to separate, hey, what are some things I've accepted as generally true, universally true, that might not necessarily like belong to my actual faith, but are a part of where I have grown up or a part of the country that I come from? Um, I don't know. These are just my musings, right? These are just like, these are just things as I'm going down this dirty, dusty, bumpy road in the back of this van, um, having to reconsider and having to allow that process of deconstruction to occur so I can see what might rise out of the ashes, like what's going to be reconstructed in this place um, that's going to be lasting, strong, and true. And when I refer to like the spiritual disciplines or the idea of the contemplative life, those those attributes, those practices, those concepts um, can belong to any person at any place in any time. And there's something about that universal access that rings true to a like good, loving God. Um, if you are looking for resources, I'll probably include it in the notes in this podcast, but Contemplative Lifestyle, anything by Richard Rohr, um, Spiritual Disciplines, I like to kick it old school with um, Richard Foster. He has a great book called The Celebration of Discipline, and I think that it is just maybe a good spot to start. Okay, so stepping down off my soapbox, um, I'm sure in my past life I was some form of Pentecostal preacher, but other things about Uganda. I, um, okay, cell phones and social media. When we first landed in Entebbe, mind you, we had taken a 16-hour flight, had a 12-hour layover in Dubai, taken another six-hour flight. We took an eight-hour bus ride so we could spend the night in a hotel and took another six-hour bus ride the next day to get where we were going. During said bus rides, I noticed that people were like sitting on the side of the road or sitting on their front porch or on mopeds or under trees or even as they were walking, that they were all looking forward, like up. Okay, so this might not sound like revelationary to you, but if you are somewhere in public, look around right now, wherever you are, we don't do this, right? We're all looking down at our phones. It was, I guess, it was, I almost felt like confused. Like I was driving through some form of like ghost town. I couldn't even figure out like what people are looking at. I wondered what they were thinking about. Um, I watched as people greeted one another. Or if they saw our bus driving through, they'd yell like Mzungu out after this, which is like the translation of um, white people walking around. <laughs> um, but people were present. They were like here and now. They were available to the moment. They connected with each other in real time. I genuinely felt like an anthropologist. Like, what is this foreign concept of eye contact? Um, 
Also, we didn't have any internet or cell service, so the only reason that I noticed this is because I couldn't play Words with Friends or zone out on Instagram. Um, I had to take a giant like step back to, to think that people's looking forward was somehow disconcerting to me um, made me realize that I need, need to be more mindful of how often I have a phone in my hands or how often I'm looking down rather than up or out at the world around me. Offerings. So we went to church in Uganda. It's extremely cultural. The um, Episcopalian or Anglican church is large and in charge there. Um, service was a um, mere five hours long on Sunday. <laughs> um, at one point in the service, though, they began to take an offering. And so if you are church people, you probably have some form of this at home, some type of tithe or offering where um, the baskets get passed around or you can like put your money in an envelope in the back of the chair or in a, I don't know, they're around, these offering baskets. You can online give, text to give, whatever. Okay, but here in Uganda, that's not how this rolls out. What you do is the music is blaring and everyone is singing, and you walk your offering to the front down the middle aisle, waving it overhead like you just won bingo. It was it, it was so much fun to watch and so much fun to be a part of. I feel like the idea of a joyful giver came into so much greater clarity for me. Okay, but this is the part that it kind of like it unfolded something different for me. After people walked forward with their like actual like money offering, people started coming forward with things, okay? Like armfuls of pineapples, uh, bags full of beans, eight foot long poles of sugar cane, cakes, even a cow, you guys, a cow. I watched in wonder, trying to figure out one, what was going on and what they were gonna do with all that stuff. So once all the items have been brought forward, the pastor looks around at all the people and starts to auction off all the stuff. He's turning the offerings into sustenance for his community and into money to be used for the church. It was brilliant. It was brilliant because everyone had something they could contribute, and so everyone did. You know, those who had more were able to buy from those who had less, and everyone had a place, and so everyone participated. Okay, for those of you who want to know, the cow was totally the big ticket item. But really, I, you guys, I felt like this was a picture of heaven, like a holy potluck. A place where what you have becomes more than what it is when you give it away. Like what happens when we give of ourselves? When we give ourselves, when we join with others in contributing to something bigger than us. We are all better off when we all show up because then there's more to choose from, right? Like, isn't, is it not like the worst thing ever when you go to a potluck and you show up and realize that everyone brought potato salad? When we show up to community as we are, with who we are, with what we have, we bring something different, something unique. It's like your signature dish, right? How much better is that than room temperature potato salad? Just saying. Time. I'm going to tell you something about time. There is nothing you can do to make time go any faster and nothing you can do to make time go any slower. 
So when you are riding on a bumpy dirt road in the back of a van without shocks on a metal seat for eight hours, you want time to go faster, much faster, but you can't do anything about that. So you might as well make yourself comfortable because eventually your tailbone will be numb or dissolve. And equally, when you are in a sea of school children and they are all reaching to touch your hands or hair and you are wrapped in laughter, you can't make time slow down. You can't do anything about that. So you drink it all in right then and there. Time. And such a fickle enemy. You know, we only have right now, this moment, and now this moment, and this moment, and on, and on. How alive are you? How awake are you to your life? You can't fast forward. You can't rewind or press pause. So jump in. Play. Distance. Sometimes you need to get some space, like some distance from your life, so you can see things from a different perspective, so you can see yourself from a different perspective, so things can come into focus, so that you can be here now as you. Okay, so I know that Uganda is out there, and I mean out there. I am not telling you that you all need to make that trek. Nope. Sometimes the distance you need is a different pace or to walk somewhere instead of drive or to practice an hour of solitude. Sometimes the distance is an hour of therapy or a weekend with me here in Dana Point. Sometimes the distance from your life will look like travel or a service project or something that takes you so far outside of your norm. Whatever the distance that your life allows, feel it. Like, feel how different and foreign and other and strange it is to metaphorically drive on the other side of the road. We notice things when they are novel. Our brains pay attention to new stuff differently than things that are familiar. Use this to your advantage to allow novelty to draw you back to yourself and into a life that is more dimensional. Get out there. Take stock of what is going on and how you are doing. Don't wait until this thing ends or your children grow up or it's convenient. How much richer will you be, your life be, your children's life be, when you bring back this perspective, this presence? I dare you. I dare you to take some time today. Go a different way. Get some distance from your regular life. Get out of your routine. See what you notice. Drive a different way and pay attention. Practice a new way of being and see what happens. Gratitude. Okay, I need to tell you about my hotel room, specifically the bathroom, okay? When I was preparing for this trip, I felt like I like I had it handled like it was in the bag, right? This was not my first time to Africa. I am like not like a super girly girl. I've backpacked through Southeast Asia. I know how to rough it. I know how to use a squatty potty and the whole bit, right? Okay, now when I say this, I realized that in my younger self, it was my younger self (laughs) that did these things, okay? I used to backpack. I used to live in Thailand and use a squatty potty, okay? But now, see, now I appreciate things in life like toilet seats and toilet seat covers, okay? So 
this is the part that I underestimated, that I am a whole different woman going on this trip than the, like, 20-year-old that could sleep at a bus station. <laughs> so, the room I'm staying in, it used to be a storage closet. Also, I am not a small person, okay? So, the bed was more like a child-sized bed, like feed off the end whole situation. And again, I get it. I'm on a mission trip. I'm thankful to have a bed, but just just go with me on this, okay? The open, um, when I open the bathroom door and I walk in, I notice that the toilet, and thank God there was one, but it sits like directly underneath the shower head and that there's no sink, but there's like this little bucket on the ground. So I learned gratitude. And also ingenuity, because I bet you didn't know that you could sit on the toilet while shaving your legs in the shower, did you? <laughs> You're welcome. Um, the second bathroom lesson occurred when my toilet seat began to crumble. Uh, yeah, I said crumble. Bit by precious bit, each day I would give just a little shout out of thanks to the tiny diminishing barrier that was left, which allowed me at least one degree of separation from what was below. I, I mean it. I felt genuinely thankful for my partial toilet seat. I didn't realize how thankful I was until halfway through the trip, we turn in our keys to the staff so they could change the sheets and mosquito nets or whatever. And I came back to my room to discover they had taken what was left of my toilet seat. I'm not kidding. The very little that was left was like mine. And now I had nothing. So two things. My thighs have never been stronger. And when I came home, I nearly cried when I walked in my bathroom and saw what I didn't realize was my most prized possession, my very own toilet seat. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also realizing I had like written down some things in my journal, like just topics like, oh, gratitude, distance, time, cell phones, social media. And I intended to like, to not, <laughs> to not go there. I kind of got distracted. I'm sitting here in my trailer thinking um, that it's back to school week and I sent my oldest son to kindergarten and that's what I was supposed to be talking about. Um, so I'm going to do that next week. Um, real quick spoiler alert. I sent my son to his first day of kindergarten at a brand new school without lunch and the reason I did this is because they got out at 11.50. So I thought, hey, they're not eating lunch there. So it's okay. He sat there without any food on his first day of kindergarten at a dual immersion school. And I just felt like a total winner. So I'm sharing that with you in the hopes that you had a more successful start to the school year than I did. Also, um, in sending my firstborn child out into the world, I realized there are infinity things I have never told him. Things like not picking your nose in class or what to do about bullies or the talk about private parts in public places. <laughs> and all that is apparently going to come next week because I wasn't done learning from Uganda. So here's what I want to say. If you were here with me today in this trailer, I would stop everything and I would ask you how your week was. If you were sending anyone to school and how that was going I would ask you about your life and how you are traveling through. I would want to know what struck you today, what stood out, what made you curious or emotional or something, anything, right? 
I would challenge you, unapologetically challenge you, because we don't have a lot of time, and I want to cut to the heart of it. Are you alive? Like, really alive? Are you happy? What's going on within you? And I would invite you to bring your offering forward, whatever it is, knowing that it will become something so much more when you let it go. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at TrailerCast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 